this is Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Ben deals with his grief and Constance schemes to raise Tate's baby as her own. Can't believe we're at the end. I know. Fuck. Oh. Oh. Farewell, Murder House. So we start this episode, which is the finale of the first series, with a lot of a lot of time for Ben. So we see him in the flashback convincing Vivian to give him another chance and to move to LA and buy the murder house. All of those clearly terrible things. And he is essentially preparing his own suicide. Like he's laying out everything. He's being really methodical. He's kind of leaving all of the all of the paperwork, all the keys, all the things, all his affairs in order. So what do you think of Ben as the last really as the last living person aside from baby antichrist in the house or like constance coming in and every once in a while <laughs> it does it does feel like look everyone's dead at this point <laughs> like i don't like you might as well because otherwise you're just gonna be stuck with constance for the rest of of eternity so i i guess i can understand where he's coming from oh god yeah even though obviously it would be better for him to have a therapy and work it out. But in the world of American Horror Story, I see where he's coming from. Yeah, and you know, it's a man that's who's just seen his wife, who he betrayed consistently, who he was just starting to reconnect with, and then they drifted further apart as well. And now she's dead, and his daughter is also dead. And there's a whole bunch of ghosts in his house, so everything is pretty shit. But Violet and Vivian appear and convince him to stay alive and to leave LA and leave the house and raise the baby. And I thought that was quite a quite a beautiful scene. I think Vivian as ghost Vivian has become quite chill and much more protective of Ben than she was before. Yeah, and and Violet. I really like her interaction with Violet. Mm. I feel like, yeah, Vivian is very much at peace now Mm -hmm. in in death in a strange way, even though she's away from her her babies, um, which you would think would, would kind of destroy her. Like, she has come to this sort of, yeah, this moment of, of almost zen and and acceptance because i guess because she she, she's she's had such a she's had such a horrific time and now it's sort of over and i think she she there is such an immense relief in Mm -hmm. that that it's like well it's all over now because the worst happened i died so i can't get much worse than this true i I think it's sort of i don't know i guess the place that she's reached it doesn't really last for that long because immediately afterwards Ben gets ambushed by Hayden and the other ghosts and he's killed by them. So Hayden. 
Ben is just such a fantastic flop. Like, that man can't do anything right. He can't even fucking stay alive. No. No, because he forget. Everyone just forgets about Hayden, and then she turns up. Like, boo. Mm-hmm. Remember me? I'm really murderous now, for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> like, ever since she died, she's just been going around killing people. That's her thing now. And then people just keep forgetting she's there until she's like, boo, step, step, step. <laughs> um, yeah, he probably should have seen that coming. Yeah. But at least they're all together now. Yeah. This is sweet. Although Constance finds his body and I loved her reaction to it where she was like, oh, goddamn idiot. And she just nonchalantly steals the baby, the baby Antichrist. And it's like, yeah, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she just swans out with the baby and leaves them all to deal with their problems. Mm. But then this episode turns into Beetlejuice. It's just Beetlejuice from this point on. (laughs) Yes, because we meet the Ramos family, who are the new potential buyers of the Harbin house, the murder house. And Marcy comes back, and Marcy, I love this detail, she adopts the Harmon's dog, so she keeps Hallie. Who we haven't seen, and so this is always <laughs> troubles me about this season, that, like, we never see Hallie. It's like, where has Hallie been this entire time with all this murder and death and, like, horrific Antichrist pregnancies? Like, if... If someone's having like a, a really intense traumatic birth, a little the dog's gonna be doing something. It's just not just gonna be upstairs, like in bed, <laughs> snoozing on the couch. Like mm. we kind of assumed that Hallie had been gone for a while, but no, she survived. That little rat she dog. lives. <laughs> I love Hallie. I love the Ramos family. They are like obnoxiously hot like super hot family and also just have to deal with marcy being super racist at them as she's trying to sell them a house like she can't she can't stop for like five minutes like you're literally trying to sell this house and you can't just not be racist for two minutes it's it's frustrating woman it's extraordinary and they've got like that super movie style family vibe of you know oh we're all making jokes and we're all we're all pals but we're also really close in family and are we great and you know when we're like hilariously beautiful and super toned and then oh here's a teenage son and he's on a skateboard and no he definitely doesn't look 26 he's definitely 15 they are the family at the beginning of every horror movie yes like much more than the Harmons. Yeah. Because they're all coming in and be like, ha 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 ha, wouldn't it be funny if this house is haunted? <laughs> I don't believe in ghosts. You, do you, not, you never go into a house and say, I don't believe in ghosts. That's just like asking yourself to get murdered. Exactly. But then, shall we stick with this, with this plot line for a minute? Yeah. We get to see the ghosts, and especially the Harmons, being like, oh... They're so nice. We used to be like that. We should we should protect them. They should not live here. While watching them have sex and the kid, this is yeah. what I find so funny is that <laughs> the the parents are like, yeah, they're getting like really dirty in the kitchen, like, oh yeah, and and then the camera just cuts and it's like Ben and Vivian just standing there yeah. watching them. 
completely completely blank faced like oh yeah they seem nice yeah <laughs> while they're like grinding on each other <laughs> this is a really and it just made me feel really like disturbed for a second because if ghosts are real like ghosts are just watching you have sex all the time isn't that really weird to think about this is why ghosts yeah. shouldn't shouldn't and can't be real because otherwise they're just like I'm just like watching you bang all the time yeah. in the corner totally or just like everything you do there's someone watching and the idea of that is terrifying yeah that's the scariest idea with ghosts is like yeah they're ghosts they're like probably watching you like go to the bathroom every day <laughs> just in your bed there'll be some like old victorian gentleman like standing <laughs> oh, in your shower oh no 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 don't tell me that i love <laughs> myself I do as well. But then this is what I love about living in a tiny, tiny studio flat. There's physically no room for ghosts in here. What if they're all like cramped? They're all cramped. What if they're just like, you know, <laughs> like doing a human ghost pyramid? Just like, it's like, oh, okay, how many more ghosts can we fit to watch, watch Clarice, oh watch Hamilton? <laughs> do you think if you're a ghost and someone's watching tv can you just also watch tv i guess so oh, yeah seems so bad yeah that seems that seems fairly fun yeah you just watch hamilton <laughs> Look, i'm just speaking out to the spirits in this room i'm gonna watch hamilton later so if you want to join in <laughs> you're very invited just don't like slam any pots or anything like let's all be polite here but you're well i'm inviting you <laughs> what would be really (laughs) shitty though is if the person whose house you're haunting has really bad taste and you're like just watching Mm. really really crappy reality tv on repeat and then the ghosts are like but i really want to watch hamilton why can't why can't you put on hamilton you just possess the the remote control I mean, you change the channel for them. This is the sort you turn of on, it's like this. This <laughs> this ghost keeps turning on Disney Plus. <laughs> this ghost like bought and paid for Disney Plus, and they just keep turning it on. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine like having that conversation with the customer service that Monzo was like? I think my phone was possessed, and someone bought <laughs> a Disney Plus subscription, and I would like a refund, please. I have a ghost, and it really likes Baby Yoda. <laughs> help me <laughs> this is the sort of like this is probably this is the sort of ghost that i would be if i were to haunt a place i'd just be mm-hmm. like no cancel that get a subscription to like shutter and just watch horror movies with me all day what's wrong with that <laughs> also please leave the tv on when you leave the house because my ghost fingers cannot turn on the television by myself <laughs> yeah i'd love to be a ghost it sounds really cool. I mean, in this just world. like leave stuff, <laughs> yeah. spooky places. Be like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> but I make like stupid things float, like a loofah. Ooh, the <laughs> like you'd have so much fun. I mean, that sounds, and you know, you just like sort of stand in the corner and watch people have sex, and you're like making snarky comments that they can't hear. Yeah. But then while they're having sex, you go, ooh, ghost Lufa coming at you. Yeah, no one no one wants that. No one wants that. Mm-hmm. I am just Lydia Dietz. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
here being like, oh god, I wish I could be a ghost. <laughs> My whole life is a dark room. Oh well. Anyway, the, the Harmons decide to spook out the Ramos family. And with the help of Moira, they rally together all the ghosts and essentially put on a massive show. I love this scene. Like, yeah. It's so well done. It's like all of the ghosts, every single kind of ghost, even if we've only seen them for a scene at the very beginning of the season, come out and terrify this new family individually and collectively. Like, they just go after them. And I love it because it's like, not only is it filmed kind of in a really, in a really theatrical over the top way, but also it's that sort of thing of, oh, now all of these random ghosts that we've met throughout the season come back and do their bit. And it sort of rewar- rewards rewards the viewer, I think, for sticking it out for the season. Where it's like, oh, now you're going to see them all kind of gang up together and really freak out someone. Even the exterminator. Yes! He comes back. Yes! Bless him! A favourite! Yeah, he's really... I mean, this scene is really just the American Horror Story take on the, um, that scene of Beetlejuice. <laughs> the day day It's that sort of, like, absolute ghost mayhem yes. in the house and, like, everything's, like, you know, the clock's spinning mm. and all the, like, you know, the, all the cupboards are going... I mean, it's just, like, ev- everything... Yeah, the whole house comes alive in this scene. It's, and it's just kind of fun. It's very much like a performance. Like it's it's not even scary. It's kind of funny, because we know all of these ghosts, and we know that they're just kind of you know, doing performative ghostness. Yeah, and it's like everyone's using this their special little ghost skill. Like Mora comes in, and she's the sexy young woman again. Um, she you know says an innuendo and leads him off, <laughs> and. And there's like Larry's wife who is near the stove with the fire mm. being like, Ooh, fire. I'm a fire ghost. <laughs> like that's the kind of like sweet thing about it. You know, it's mm. like, Oh, it's, sort of, it's, Oh, you, it's like, it's like the Avengers team up moment. Ghost <laughs> you know, yes. everyone comes in And they've all got like, I'm Hawkeye with my bow and arrow. It's like that, but they're all ghosts. My favorite one has to be Ben and Vivian Harmon because they just go, they just bicker. That's their ghostly power. So they're like, we hate each other. They just, yeah, kill each other <laughs> over and over again. But it's fun. Yeah. But I love the fact that the Ramos actually get the fuck out of the house. It's like, oh, great, sensible people. You see a whole bunch of ghosts, you get out. Yeah. And they, yeah, I wonder, do they ever get their stuff back? Because, like, they were in their PJs. Wait, the dad was, like, butt naked. Did he put clothes on before he got in the car? No, he was, like, in his his boxers. Okay, so he's put, because he was butt naked at one point. Yes. I'm glad he found his boxers. That's because that's going to be a lot to explain to the (laughs) police. It's the return of the butt in this finale. Uh, yeah, but another but. The repeat of the, because it's the same thing of he, like Ben, goes down to the kitchen butt naked and just turns on yes. the, all the, the hobs. Exactly. And he kind of holds his hand over the fire. But now we get the, 
we get the added kind of behind the scenes that we see now, whether we didn't really see that at the beginning of the season and it was really creepy because you don't really know what's going on and now you're like, oh, it's just ghosts having some lols. It was just ghosts doing a Beetlejuice. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so with this scene, basically, and with the Ramos family running away, we kind of wrap up the story of the Harmon family. They are reunited, they're together, they're bonded. Vivian finds her baby, who was not in fact stillborn, but was taken away by Nora and had had kind of a couple of breaths and then died. So she gets her baby as well. I know it's it's all very sad because they're all dead, but they're together and they're kind of this picture perfect um, American family and they're putting up a Christmas tree, although we don't really know what time of the year it is and they don't either. And that's kind of cool, but they're quite content. Yeah, she called the baby Jeffrey for some reason, but that's fine. That is not a good name. I just feel like Jeffrey's fine when you're an adult, but I just can't imagine. Sorry, I'm sorry to any Jeffreys who might be listening, but I just looking at a baby because she's looking at the baby and being like, "You look like a Jeffrey." It's like, does he look like a Jeffrey? Does any baby look like a Jeffrey? When you say Jeffrey, I just think of Jeff from Community, who's a total asshole, and Jeffrey Dahmer, who. Was a serial killer. <laughs> Again, apologies to any Jeffrey <laughs> listening. I'm sure you're not. And that's the thing: a grown, a grown adult can be called Jeffrey, but this baby's gonna be a baby forever. And you've called your forever baby Jeffrey. Oh my god! Like, yes. wouldn't you give it like a little cute baby name, like little Bibby? <laughs> Call it like I don't little know, Bibby. <laughs> call it like a cute little because then there's sometimes names which you look you think that's a great baby name but once this person is an adult it's weird that's not a great adult name yeah you know i'm just saying you can't really make jeffrey cute you can't be like oh little baby jeffy it's like no that's not a thing that's not a name jeffy boo boo (laughs) little jeffy boo boo (laughs) i just yeah call it boo boo or something (laughs) or boo boo Blue. Blue. I don't know, like a cute little baby. Like, this baby's a baby forever. Yeah, that's the point. It's never going to be. Jeff is just such an adult name. I think she should have called him Baby Luke. Because obviously she was so horny for Luke the security man. It's like, well, you know, pay him pay him a tribute, woman. Yeah, Luke is a baby, a good baby name. Yeah. Also, it's a good adult person name, too. Little Luke. Anyway. Oh, but... We do get an amazing scene between Tate and Ben when Ben basically tells Tate that therapy doesn't work, <laughs> which I love. He's like, it's problematic. <laughs> He's like, therapy is mm. bullshit. I was like, yeah, that's because you're a terrible therapist, Ben Hartman. Exactly. Therapy works. You're just bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's interesting in the context of what we were talking about in the last episode about is Tate really evil or is there an element of possession to him? Because in this conversation, he he comes out with the, with the tears and he's like, oh my God, I miss Violet so much. I miss our talks. They were really helping. And Ben sort of calls him out and he's like, no, you're a psychopath. You're charming. You're manipulative. But all of this is a lie. And his face sort of changes 
Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, because I don't... I don't know, and I don't know if that's me, if it's, like, problematic of me to to want to think that he's being possessed Mm. but I have always lent more towards the idea that this is some kind of demonic possession and that there are there are sort of there is Tate the person and then there is the sort of the attachment like the demonic attachment Mm. and they're sort of fighting for the the soul of Tate don't know i'm so on the fence about it do you think that at any moment in the season we see real tate well i feel like in that scene we see a little bit of it Mm. like that desperate i feel like in this episode as well we we see his desperation for human connection which i don't think really reads with somebody who you know if he's a complete psychopath doesn't have any desire for Mm. human connection then why would he be so desperate to just be with Violet and mm. to to have this relationship with her father? You know, I think that's what complicates it for me. Totally. Because I don't know if I read that scene as him being manipulative. I don't know. I feel like it's it's him sort of battling with the realization of what he's done. But then maybe I'm just being really my naive and I'm falling for the manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I think that's part of why this character is so interesting and so devious and like hard to pin down it's because Evan Peters' performance is so charming and so effective that and because I think of also our built in bias in the sense that we're more willing to forgive handsome young white men stuff than almost anybody else in the world like all of that works to create questions in her head it's like is he lying or no is this the moment where he's saying the truth and i don't actually know where i stand and like on the one hand tate being a total psychopathic monster seems like a fairly human uh, explanation for his character and then if you put the cherry on top of demonic possession and whatnot, then that's kind of quite interesting. But then at the same time, he has these moments that look like real vulnerability, but you never know whether to trust them. And it's like, is he really being vulnerable Mm -hmm. with Violet? Because he does seem to genuinely care about her, but does he care about her enough to not do all the horrific shit that he's done to her family? No. So then, like, you know, it's always back and forth between you say and you seem really nice and repentant, but then you do all of this stuff and you hide it and you keep doing all this heinous stuff and hiding it and lying about it and just saying, oh, I don't remember. Oh, that wasn't me. It's like there's a there's a detachment there that I find quite interesting. And I guess that you can sort of take that idea and spread it across the whole like every character to Mm. some degree there is this suggestion because there is a suggestion that this house has an immense power over people Mm. and like all these things you know because ben and and vivian they i mean nothing compared to what tate does but everybody kind of does really morally dodgy stuff in this house (laughs) like there's a lot of sort of 
you know and and like the montgomery's like you could also expand that argument to them like did they do that because that is the nature of their characters or did they do that because the house is having some influence over them i think they this is what the sort of because we're, we're, we're suddenly being thrown into a world where like good and evil as concrete ideas exist because there mm. is a devil and there is a god and there's an antichrist <laughs> and so suddenly yeah. and this house is like the the locus for the antichrist and it's like oh god well that kind of suddenly changes everything because yeah we're suddenly in this position where where evil exists outside of people because i think if you imagine a world if you think of a world i mean this really comes down to people whether people are religious or not but if you're not religious and you you see a world without any sort of deity or any outside forces evil only exists inside of people Mm -hmm. but perhaps if you are religious then suddenly you see evil as an outside force Mm -hmm. and it exists as something outside of people and i think like that's what this season's playing with a little bit of questioning you know how much do you see evil as being born within a person or entering a person from the outside i guess do you think that it's kind of trying to explore the idea of nature versus nurture it's like are you can someone be born evil or are they made evil by the particular circumstances yeah, I guess partially that and I think it it does it is sort of talking about the nature of religion cuz it is talking about like the the coming of the antichrist and what conditions need to be there to be and like I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's a particularly like profound exploration of religion. Mm. Like I don't I don't think he's I don't think this show is like, you know, really sincerely tackling the idea of religion and so you know it's not sort of if someone is religious watching this show like I think they're potentially not going to take away that much of it but I think it it just sort of having that element in it just helps like throw up more questions and just to make the whole I think that's the thing this this show likes to to just ask a lot of questions Mm. (laughs) It just likes to throw a lot of ideas out there and it doesn't necessarily answer them. Yeah. But I think this one, it just, it just goes, oh, okay, so I, okay, so what if the devil is real? Like, and so what if evil is like an outside force? How would that impact people? How does that, like, what does that mean about the nature of evil? And, and yeah, I don't think it answer, answers any of those, which is why the character of Tay is so ambiguous. Because this show is like... <laughs> all questions no answers <laughs> yeah that's that's a trademark of american horror story really but i do love kind of the central idea of evil being a place or a place having its own roots and its own power almost that can then impact anyone that inhabits it yeah cuz i think as much as I I formally don't believe in ghosts, I think like if I did believe in ghosts, or if I think if ghosts are real, they probably would exist 
in this kind of form where I really like that description um, that Billy Dean gives in the last episode about basically ghosts being an accumulation of trauma Mm. and that creates an imprint on a a place because as much as I I don't really believe in the supernatural I think you do kind of just go to places sometimes and and there's like a weird there's a weird energy and like I grew up in an old house and there were certain places in the house where you're like okay I don't believe in ghosts but like this room has a very weird energy (laughs) what's that about Mm. (laughs) um and so I I like I like I like that idea and I, I like that American horror story. You we'll see it in like every season. It really talks about the idea of places. Mm-hmm. Like places as holding as sort of that that buildings soak up memories in a way. Yeah. That makes complete sense. We round up the series really with a flash forward to Constance three years later. And, okay, I, th- I feel like we need to dig into this scene because this is an amazing monologue that Jessica Lang does in a salon about basically just Constance's idea of herself and of her own significance. I mean, I just found it, like, staggering to watch. What did you think of it? The fact that she delivers this monologue in a hairdresser, talking to her hairdresser, which is the person you're not meant to be talking about anything significant with, like, you know, no offense to hairdressers, but like you go in and just talk nonsense at them and they talk nonsense at you because you're just trying to fill the air of them cutting your hair. (laughs) And then when she goes into this hairdresser, just delivers this like insane speech while looking at the mirror, like looking at her own reflection. Mm -hmm delivering this speech about like I was always destined to do something great and now I know it was to raise this child destined to do amazing things but really I'm talking about the antichrist so I'm like the fact she's taking pride in the fact that she knows this baby is the antichrist Mm. and will probably like you know bring on the end of civilization and the end of the world and she's like yeah I'm the person who raised him (laughs) is like twisted it's peak constance it's like her worst her worst aspirations and kind of narcissism just elevated to a hundred and also like her willingness to give this extremely convoluted backstory to why she has a three-year-old baby is like nobody asked you yeah yeah (laughs) we don't need the names details origins and like death story of the fake parents who you adopted the baby from yeah and again like this lady's just trying to cut your hair (laughs) leave her alone this poor woman (laughs) your face during the whole monologue is like um so yeah sure babes okay it's like wonderfully awkward i love it (laughs) um so then 
I love I love the way this season ends because after the hair salon monologue we see Constance go back to her apartment and she finds the babysitter dead murdered by three-year-old Michael who is just delighted that uh, he's you know absolutely slain this woman and is just sitting in a rocking chair covered in blood super cute blonde blue eyed baby you know blood on his hands literally and the theme for Twisted Nerve starts playing and Constance is just like aww what am I going to do with you now? And like showing the bloody hand, be like, look what I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I thought that was such an amazing ending. It's like, oh no, the terror does not end. And it's interesting that it's the twisted nerve theme mm. because it was the same music playing during takes, which I, I guess like reinforces the idea that there was, you know, like that, that tape, maybe there was some sort of outside force interfering, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That the twisted, like twisted nerve is like the devil's theme. I hadn't thought and the fact, I think it's like very significant. Yeah. I thought it was just like connecting Tate to his son through this, like, oh, this is, they're both twisted and evil and this is the theme the musical motif behind um any evil doings but i love the i love the idea of kind of it being more of sort of an external force yeah because i guess you could question like (laughs) like the antichrist like how much what's his deal (laughs) i don't know well we don't know yet is the devil working through him? Or like, you know, is this baby just trying to chill? And the devil's like, go kill your daddy. I mean, if a three-year-old kid managed to, like, kill a grown woman with his hands, that, I don't think that's, like, regular baby shit, is it? I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know anything about babies. No. <laughs> from, my, from my limited understanding of babies, not a normal thing. <laughs> Do you think it's a good ending for the series? I think it's great now that, like, I think we can say we return to this at some point. Mm. And I think it feels very satisfactory now that we've had the sort of second part of this story. Because mm. I think at the time, like, I remember always feeling really frustrated because it's like, literally the Antichrist is born, like, and we've just, like, moved on and not, like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> like for for seasons upon season we just forgot that the antichrist was born yeah so it's kind of nice to that it, they eventually follow up on it i kind of love it though even as uh even without the follow-up without the follow-up season i really enjoyed the ending and be like oh because each season is sort of a self-contained story i think this is a an interesting way of sort of leaving it open-ended but still ambiguous enough if you're just watching this one series it's kind of a really every character is maybe tied up but then there's this threat that is so loose and unpredictable i guess because you can kind of imagine what happens next yeah 
the Antichrist. He does what the Antichrist does. You know? <laughs> so I guess it's not it's not too sort of open-ended in that way. True. And then we're done with Murder House. <laughs> the Harmons are happy. The Ramos family escaped. Constance got her hair done. Hallie lives. Hallie lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's do our final categories for the series. So what is your top quote of the episode? My top quote was when Moira says, I don't take orders from ghosts <laughs> because Vivian asks for a cup of tea and she's like, no, no, I don't work for you anymore. You're dead. <laughs> like we're on the same level now. <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> Beautiful. How about you? I think my favorite one comes from, hey, I mean, I gotta say props to the incredible racism of uh, Marcy in the scene. Like every single thing that comes out of her mouth is like hugely problematic and offensive on every single level. And the way that the Ramos sort of kind of just look at themselves and be like, Jesus Christ, this woman. <laughs> I loved. Um, I hope the dog eats her. Yes. Devil dog. But my favorite line has to be at the end when we see the Harmon family kind of all happy and prepping a Christmas tree. And then we get a shot of Tate and Hayden outside looking in. And Hayden tells him, grow a pear, Rimbo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I quite like because he does actually yeah. kind of look like Rimbo. It's a good burn. Yeah. There's been lots of good burns on, on Tate. It's <laughs> yes. very easy to make fun of. He is. Yes. I mean, he's a dead soft boy serial killer so I mean there's a lot of threats there well we do get a naked man moment again yes we kind of covered that there was some butt nakedness mm. from Miguel yes and that actor also he's coming he will return yes he will at a because that's what I thought of first I was like oh it's him we will see him again in a very different role yes the tease a little bit <laughs> And who do you think is the MVP of the episode? Hallie. <laughs> just for being alive. Well done. And the way she's just kind of sitting. I don't know. I just found the whole way she was sitting the whole way through that scene of Marcy talking was just like really cute. <laughs> A little pause up. Just blank face. Just, <laughs> just like just vaguely aware that she's alive and she's here in this moment. And that's it. So I'm going to go for Hallie. I do feel a bit sorry that she has to live with Marcy now, who is not a great person. Yeah, but she can eat her at some <laughs> point. Nibble on her while she's sleeping. I mean, if we're talking about this idea of the evil of the house, that evil will now have also infected Hallie the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it is a devil dog. And it will just nibble away on a human. If we get an American Horror Story season called Devil Dog, I am so here for it. Oh my god, I would love that. Yes. Um, and what... Oh, I would say that mine would be the Harmons, actually. Because they reconnect, they bond, and they fully recreate Beetlejuice. I mean, I love it. (laughs) Love to see it. And... We don't really get any insensitive historical references this week, do we? No, 
It's like Dahlia says hey at one point, but yeah, there's not really any flashback. She literally just says hey. That's all she does. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like dead and, and in half and pops up ahead. Yeah. It's like, I'm also here. <laughs> <laughs> We're done with this series with Murder House, but before we move on to talk about Asylum, we are going to do something else to wrap up Murder House. So what can we expect from the next episode? Yeah, so in the next episode, we're going to do a special recap of our favorite moments from Murder House. So think of it as like the Oscars <laughs> for one season of American Horror Story. As so I'm just going to say now, get ready to rank your butts. <laughs> but not your butt, like the butts on the show. <laughs> not your butt, not your own butt. Get ready to rank rank the butts. The butts that we have seen. Put them from starting with one going down. I can't even remember how many butts we've seen, but Well, you know. Rank them. We'll recap all of that. <laughs> we'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Murder House. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm on at Clarice Lou. And I am on Anna B. Demented. 